Well, good morning. Um, happy six days before Valentine's Day, uh, if you've forgotten that's coming up. Uh, just a little hint there so you remember. And you'd think this morning would be a great morning to talk about love with Valentine's Day coming up. Are my numbers off? Five days. Five days. Thank you, Greg. Um, I have spent a lot of time cleaning up uh, what we call our guest room. I think it's actually our audition room for the Hoarders TV show. Uh, my dad passed away a few years ago, and I've been kind of going through his boxes and been kind of reminiscent this this week and uh, uh, found uh, some a letter a, a student had written to him, uh, and it's he was he, he was a landscape architect. Matter of fact, he was the first landscape architect in the state of Mississippi. I actually have his licensure. It has a 00001. Before that, there, he actually lobbied to have landscape architecture as a licensed, uh, something that you need a license to, to be able to practice. But anyway, he, he did that for a bunch of years, and then he became a college professor and changed kids' lives. And uh, I found a note one of his, his students had, had written him and said, um, Dear Professor Martin, if the doctor told me I had one hour to live, I would love to hear you teach because it would seem like a week. <laughs> so it takes a second there. Hopefully the apple falls far from the tree, but uh, in this case, hey, we, we put something up there and, and we'll do this from time to time to kind of stir discussion towards uh, the Lord as we eat. And, um, if it weren't for Jesus, I dot, dot, dot. Has anybody thought about that? Think about that for a second. I'd, I'd, I'd actually love some, a couple of people to finish the sentence. If it weren't for Jesus, I would be dead by now. Would be dead by now, sure. If it weren't for Jesus, I would... <sighs> yeah, I mean, that's true. Think, think, think back. If it weren't for Jesus, how would your life be different now? If it weren't for Jesus, I would, I would be uh, desperately lost and a bad guy if it weren't for Jesus. I, I appreciate in Mark that story about the, uh, the guy who brings his son to get healed. Maybe he had a demon in him, and, and Jesus basically said... Uh, yeah, well, anything's possible if you believe. And he said, oh, I, I believe, I believe. But help me in my unbelief. That is so my story. I, I believe and I, I cling to that. But boy, I got a skeptic vein running through me and went through a whole agnostic, atheistic phase. And some days it just, it, it takes everything. And it's the faith that God provides me that brings me back. And I've been kind of going through one of those. Our faith walk ebbs and flows, right? Well, I'm kind of on an ebb right now at the same time that we're supposed to be lined up with bringing something to you. And so I'm, I'm going to bring to you this morning a little bit about kind of what I've been wrestling with. And it's raw and authentic. And if you guys come along for the ride, uh, it'd be great. Maybe somebody else is, tra is tracking there too. Um. I instinctively question everything, and my wife says that especially. Uh, 
Lately, however, though, if I'm honest, I've been questioning a very fundamental statement in the church, and that is, does God really love me? That's pretty basic, but that rivets your soul if that's what you're wrestling with. You know, I mean, we, we come in on a Sunday morning, we hear all the wonderful praise songs that tell us how much God loves us. We hear the preacher from the pulpit tell us God loves you no matter what you've done. We've heard our Sunday school teacher and our friends and our spiritual mentors and influencers tell us God just loves you. I had a mentor who early on taught me three words. He says, whenever you hear a new idea, ask these three words, based on what? Somebody brings a, a, a new idea, cleanliness is next to godliness, based on what? Is it in God's word? You know, we all turn into angels when we die. Okay, interesting theory, based on what? And you go back and you compare it to God's word. So as I'm wrestling through this, does God really love me? I wanted to get the based on what from the word of God, not just nice sentiment and great music. And, you know, the question would arise from, can God really love me when I come back and do the same thing over and over? When I wrestle with a temper or lust or pride or having to have my own way. And then I commit it to God. Hey, I, I give this to you. This is yours. You take it. And then not too long after that, I'm failing again. How can God really love somebody who does that over and over? And so I, I had just a, a moment with him and just kind of shouted at the sky and said, that's, that's where I am, Lord. Prove to me through your word that you love me. I want to know. And so I just started searching and praying and letting the Holy Spirit work. And one of the first things that he showed me was Moses saw this Egyptian beating one of his own guys up. And he ended up beating Moses to death. I mean, uh, beating the guy up and, uh, and then hid the body. Now, this is the same guy that God used to bring the Ten Commandments down to present the law to the rest of the world. But God used a murderer. He also showed me David, shepherd turned king, right? We all know his story. Here's a guy who struggled with lust, looking out on, on the rooftops, sees Bathsheba, and a lust that ended up turning into killing her husband. But God called him a man after God's own heart, even after he'd done all that. Paul, a mass murderer, a Christian killer. And yet you go through the New Testament, and most of what was written in the New Testament was written by this guy. God used somebody who had, had killed and persecuted. And Peter, such a passionate follower of Jesus, even willing to cut off the ear of those who had hurt him. A man who said, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to go with you anywhere. I'll go with you to death. And Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, you're going to hear a rooster crow before you denied me three times. Sure enough, that was true. But that's the same guy Jesus said, I will build my church on you, Peter. 
And we're here in this room because he did just that. The modern day church is here because this spontaneous guy who kept doing the wrong thing over and over, God used him anyway. So he's starting to encourage me that he does love people who don't have it all together. By today's standards, these are some pretty seriously flawed people, and yet God loved them enough to use them in spite of their sin. That's good news to me. But just because God will use us, does that mean he loves us? A holy God can't allow sin. Romans says we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. Romans also says the wages of sin is death, right? You've heard this. I'm not breaking news to you. If you go to, to work for a week and you get to the end of the week and they give you your wages, your paycheck is what you deserve for working all week. The wages of sin is death. What we deserve because of our sin is death. But somehow, and you rarely see it, somebody stepped in. You don't see somebody stepping in on death row, sitting in the electric chair for people who have a death penalty. That's what we had, and that's what Jesus did. He stepped in and took the penalty that we did the crime for. And that's awesome, but it's not just what he did that started to convince me that God maybe really does love me from his word. It was when he did it. I'm going to share some scriptures that God used. It says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Ephesians, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love of which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, hello, anyone? made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. One thing I've never understood we had was we had a cleaning lady growing up, and she'd come in on Wednesdays, and Mom would say, hey, go clean up your room. The cleaning lady's coming tomorrow. What, what is she doing? I, I just didn't understand that. That's what we try to do too, though, isn't it? We try to get cleaned up before we come back to him. Jesus cleans his fish after he catches them. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Maybe that's my big question. Can I do something to separate? He, and Paul answered, he says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ nor anything else in creation. That's pretty comprehensive. I, I think a temper falls in anything else in creation. I think lust falls in anything else in creation. Putting myself first, anything. Well, so these, there are so many more verses. He continued to show me that it was through my faith in what Jesus did that he saw me as a child. This is the revelation I wasn't expecting. God said, maybe your problem in real question is not, do I really love you? I've got that splattered all over, the, all over the scripture. Maybe the real problem is, do you love me? And boy, that hit like a brick. Here I was just kind of blaming God. Can you really love me? He says, that's not the issue. Well, of course I really love you. 
And I started reading stuff like John 4.15. If you love me, keep my commands. Whoa. Okay, wait a minute. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. John 4.21. 1 John 5.3. For this is the love for God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. How are you doing, Curtis, on loving me? And all of a sudden, I started to realize those two things I was confusing, and they're, they're not the same. God loves us is not changed. Remember, death nor life, that whole long, it's not changed. We're not separated because we're working on the love him part. But there is still a great conviction. How was I doing in that department? All of a sudden, I realized God has been deeply loving me but maybe I've only been giving him lip service. If loving him means keeping his commands, then you've got to ask the question. If you're a question asker like I am, what are his commands? So, so where do you go back to? Maybe, maybe that most popular, let's see if we can narrow it down. The Bible's so full of stuff. Uh, a teacher of the law, a rabbi, was trying to stump Jesus by asking him, well, what's the greatest commandment? And his response was to quote Deuteronomy chapter 6. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and all the prophets are wrapped up in these two things. If you can only get these two, th- like when your instructor says, if you only remember two things I've said, these are, that's, it's all wrapped up in that. It's interesting that Jesus puts love the Lord with everything you've got. If you look up the Greek for heart, mind, and soul, and I did that, I was in a just real research mode, and it's all intellectual, and Jonathan and Hunter probably can tell you all the Greek words. I, I looked them up at the time, but basically they overlap and basically says all of who you are. Love God with everything that you are, Right? So it's interesting that Jesus puts love the Lord with everything you've got on a pedestal. It's the first and greatest, he said. And then he said the second. And then he said the second is love your neighbor as yourself. And maybe it's because he knows that it's difficult to actually love yourself if you're not loving God with all you've got. And maybe you don't love God with all you've got because you don't understand how much he loves you. I think it's interesting that the father of lies, the enemy of God, Satan, takes Scripture and he twists it just a little bit. The world, when it references God, says, well, God says love everybody. And and he does. He made them. But they totally leave out that first step of love the Lord your God with all you've got. And they throw that out the window. Then all of a sudden we're left with a hollow philosophy that says, don't worry about what God thinks. You're just supposed to love everybody. And that has slowly permeated the church. It's an outside worldly thought that has creeped into the church. It doesn't matter what God says, just love everybody. And he does say love everybody. But he first says, give him all you got. Honor him. All the water in the world can't sink your boat unless you let it in your boat. And we've watched that happen 
to the church, the outside worldly philosophy that sounds pretty good in our boat. Let's not worry about God commands, what God commands to love, just love. But he does say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. So based on what Jesus says, how do you love the Lord God? By what? By obeying his commands, by doing what he says. What is heart, mind, and soul? Well, it's every part of you. So how about what are his commands? How about just rewind a little bit on that to the, the Sermon on the Mount? I mean, you've got things on what you do when somebody is, uh, has something against you, what you do when you've got something against, what you do with anger. Don't call your, <laughs> don't call your brother a fool. You know, you've got what, what you do with lust when you think of a woman. I mean, he's, he's got command after command. I mean, just take that small chunk if you want to get started. You, you don't. I mean, because Conviction City will, will set in. But love the glory. So obey these things. For me, it started when God brought all these things to my mind that I wasn't loving him, right? And it started with just having to ask forgiveness. You know, his love hadn't stopped. But sometimes you got to, in, in college, we worked with a youth group and we had a, a, a mud volleyball tournament, which is more than just playing volleyball in a field with a foot deep of mud. Uh, you had wheelbarrow races, you know, where two people or one person's on a hand, the other person has a leg. You're going through the mud, uh, mud volleyball, mud football, mud baseball, you're sliding. I mean, the whole afternoon, you mud everything and you were just covered with mud and it is the best feeling in the world. I mean, it's what you want to do as a little kid to get dirty until it starts to dry a little bit and in the crevices and in the holes and all of a sudden what was so fun becomes something that's a little bit painful. But at this particular event, we had like a, a hose with a fire hose nozzle on it and we just line up and we just wash them, wash them down one after the next. And it felt so good to get that mud off of you and be clean again. And that's what I had to do in the last month and just say, Lord, this is, this is where I've been. This is what I've been doing. I need your forgiveness. I need a clean slate. I don't know if you can relate, but I imagine you can. So how do you obey? I brought my Bill Nye the science guy. So, I don't know if you've ever been to the repeat offense course that I mentioned earlier, where you're doing this thing. You know, I give it to you, God. I ask forgiveness, God. Oh, I'm back again. Forgive God. You give it to you, God. Back again. All right, this is me, hourglass. Actually, I've got the reverse hourglass figure, but who's counting? All right. Um, book of Collisions, Colossians, excuse me. Uh, there's a verse that says, we were all made by Jesus for Jesus. All right. So I'm going to take a little fresh Jesus, right? And now I've got a nice pure life. But I've been struggling with a little bit of lust, a little bit of anger, a little bit of I got to have my way. And all of a sudden, what was intended 
as something created by God and pure is now muddied. And the common thing to do in the church and in my life, and basically this is the story of my life, is I'm going to commit to you, Lord, and I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, I'm getting this stuff out of my life, and I am, I'm good. But that doesn't work. My guess is you've been there and tried that too. It doesn't work. The only success I have found in showing God we love him by obeying his commands is by being with him. Give us this day our, what? Daily bread. If anybody wants to follow me, he must pick up his cross daily and follow me. His mercies are new every day. There seems to be a, a, a thing going on. I don't just eat on Sundays, obviously, and then wait till next Sunday to come back. And what I have found is it's in these times where you're letting Jesus pour into you every morning and saying, Lord, search me, know me, show me any wicked way. And he says, okay, how about this one, this one, this one, this one, but I love you. Lord, show me what it is you want me to do today. And we start letting Jesus pour into us. And little by little, as we are spending this time, it's not us managing our sin. It's not us saying, I'm going to decide I'm not going to sin anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. But Jesus is pouring in with the time we spend with him. And it is a natural consequence that is he is pouring into us the thing that's been such the stronghold on us is naturally out of the way because you're spending time thinking about what is it you want me to do and you don't have time to, to do any of that stuff anymore. The second thing he said was love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Live in such a way that those who know you but don't know God will come to know God because they know you. What do you say? They will know we are Christians by our What? Love. That's not just a catchy song from the 70s. That's actually a scripture. And he says, love each other so they will know that uh, you're Christians. So what is love? Initially, I'm thinking that I may have been given love only lip service, treating it as the icing, not the cake. Where do you go if you want to find out what the definition of love is? 1 Corinthians 13, right? Happens at every wedding. Let me just read a few little lines from there. See what we're up against. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong. Just a noisy guy. Or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all the mysteries of the earth, and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but I do not have love, this is what it says, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship so that I can boast, but I do not love, I gain nothing. Wow, I, I so missed the mark on what this love is about. This is obviously something spoken to the church I mean, the church is the only people that has prophecies and 
all those other things, faith that can move mountains and given to the poor. I mean, he's, he's talking to the church. He says, well, you do all that stuff. You show up, you, you sign up for work day, you sign up for the mission committee, you go to the trips. He says, but if you don't have love, and that's kind of blunt and harsh, you are nothing. So all of a sudden, I'm realizing it's not only that we're missing the icing on the cake, love is, is not, it's, it's the cake, it, love is the whole meal. And we go back to a God that first loved us. Let's see which ones you and I line up with. This is what I did on this day of reckoning I had. Love is patient. Think through your last couple of days as I read these. Feel free to scroll through your text and see what the words you've posted on Facebook are. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it trusts, it always hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. And you scroll down to the bottom, and it says, and the three of these remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The definition of love, what it is, there's positives and negatives, what it is, what it is, the what it is is, the what it is is, Patience, kindness, rejoicing with truth, bearing all things, believes, hopes, endures. What it's not, it's not envious, it's not boastful, arrogant, selfish, rude, irritable, resentful, celebrating wrongdoing. How are we doing with those things? Are we truly loving our neighbors if that's the definition of what love is? I couldn't take the whole list. I said, Lord, just... Give me, a, give me a, a should and a shouldn't on that list. Convict my heart of, and nudge me throughout the day of where I am. And, uh, you know, I, the first day it was patience and not being rude. And for a sarcastic guy that's got, you know, that answer right at the tip of his tongue. But God did. He showed up when I, when I said, hey, I want you to mold me. And something would be on the way out. I was going, no, that would be rude. And he started to help me. It's hard to understand this grace and this love undeserved. And I don't know how many of you saw the movie Saving Private Ryan back from the 90s. I think that movie sums up for me what the message God's been working on my heart with for the last month. If, if you remember the storyline, it's a, a mom had four boys in World War II. Three of them had already been killed in World War II. And Tom Hanks, the character of Tom Hanks, was sent out to rescue her one remaining son at the Battle of Normandy on D-Day. Thousands of soldiers everywhere. And Tom and his little platoon had to go and find this lost son and save him so the whole lineage was not removed. And in the middle of a field, they actually do locate him. And he doesn't want to be saved. He doesn't want to go home. He says, if, if my brothers are dead, then these are my brothers. And 
basically Tom Hanks says, well, we'll fight this one last battle with you. And I brought along that closing scene because I think it is a perfect metaphor for uh, God's love for us. with you, I, I wouldn't share how I'd feel coming back here. Every day, I think about what you said to me that day on the bridge. I've tried to live my life the best I could. I hope that was enough. I hope that at least in your eyes, I've earned what all of you have done for me. So one man died so that another could live. And as he returned to the cross, he hoped he had lived a life that was worthy, motivated by the one who had saved him. It's nothing he could have done to rescue himself. Is that our story? A man who died in our place so that we could live. A God who has proven with his sacrifice that he loves us. So the question for me after God brought me was no longer, does God love me? The question for me is, do I love him?
do I obey his commands? And maybe that's the question for more than just me. I'll close by reminding us of that lunch that Jesus was having with a Pharisee, and I don't know if you remember it, but this girl that kind of had a pretty bad rep in the community, we don't know what she did, comes in because she sees Jesus is in the house, and she cries these tears, washes his feet with the tears, and dries them off with her hair, and pours this expensive alabaster perfume on him, And the church guy, the Pharisee, he says to Jesus, do you see this? Uh, Do you know who this is? Then he turned to the woman and he said to the Pharisee, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wept my feet with her tears and wiped with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she's perfumed my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Maybe this is our own personal litmus test. As Jonathan said on Sunday, loved people love people, hurt people hurt people. Which are you? Do we love because we realize how much we're loved by the sacrifice that was made for us? Or do we end up hurting others because we've been hurt? Maybe from not being good enough or unsuccessfully trying to will perfection in our lives. Look back over your most recent conversations you've had. Seriously, when you get out there, scroll through the text. Scroll through your Facebook post. Where are you? But don't beat yourself up, because maybe not being loving is not just another failure as much as it is a warning sign that we should just examine ourselves. Do we believe God really loves us? I'm coming to believe that he really does. But the other question is, do we really love him? Do we obey his commands and love him with all our heart, soul, and mind? I want us, I think we're kind of running short on time here, um, but let's just take a moment in silence and let you guys and myself talk to him and ask that question And remember back to that first time you knew you were forgiven. Search me and know me. Show me any wicked way in me. So let's just, let's close our eyes and just have a moment where we talk to him. Nobody else is at your table paying attention to you. You just have a moment and ask those questions. Lord, we pray as we go along our ways and today that you will wrestle in our heart. 
we pray that you would remind us how much you really love us and that there's nothing we can do. And Lord, if we've been trying to get to you by doing it, we pray you just shake that out of us and show us that it's something only you can do. Lord, put people in our path specifically that we can love and then overflow out of us your love into them. We give you our lives right now. In Jesus' name, amen.